Is Von Miller the best pass rusher in the AFC East? Will Kyle Akposo be the Sabres captain next season? And Dom will be taking the reins on the rundown this week. All of this with some hot takes, trivia, and more. This is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. back with episode 14 of the Buffalonia podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Loss, Mike Marino. We're going to get you right into the Bills topic for the day. We're going to finish our 53-man roster with the defense and special teams. Dom, take us away. So how do you guys want to start this? You guys going to want to go D-line to safeties and then do the specialists, or start with the specialist? I think the specialist. That's the smallest category. Give them their love. Yeah. Give them their love. All right, so obviously I think three guys are going to make the team as specialists, um, kicker, punter, and long snapper, so Tyler Bass will be the kicker. Here, here's my question really quick. The battle that will be duked out, Matt Hawk or the punt god? I think Matt Hawk gets it. What? He's being sarcastic, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh, that was... That was, that was, <laughs> I, was I got like, you. You, uh, you believe me there for a minute. For a minute, well, I was like, dude, we're doing a combine this summer to see if you could out-punt Matt Hawk, and now you want him on a team? No. Matt Hawk... Is out of here. Absolutely. We have the punt guy who can also place kick. How could we not keep that? If Tyler Bass goes down for whatever reason, we have a replacement. Yeah, I think it's obviously that it's Bass, punt god, Matt Riza, and Reed Ferguson. I guess the only real battle there is if Matt Hawk somehow beats Matt Riza, but I Yeah, what if he just turns out to be fantastic all of a sudden? You know, like it could be. You're not drafting a punter and not having him be uh, exactly. on the roster. Well, it's, it's like Tyler Bass getting drafted with Steven Hauschka as our kicker. Yeah. You knew it was over. You know, like. Yeah, was... when you spend it. I know a six round pick isn't an incredible asset, but they could have waited to draft, like, sign some undrafted punter. Like, if they actually going to, like, make a selection for either punter or kicker, whoever is the punter or kicker at the time on the roster is uh, probably out the door, with, like you said about Hoshka. So, I think Ariza, as long as he can hold, obviously Matt Hawk's big thing is that he's a very excellent holder, and him and Tyler Bass have a lot of very good chemistry, so... Can you let the chemistry die for the punt god, or does the chemistry win? No, I, I think an off-season together with Bass and Ariza, they're going to get the chemistry that they need so Bass is effective and Ariza is really going to help them be better, not only on special teams, but on defense because with better punting, that means better field position and for the offense because then the defense can get stops. It's just a big field position battle will help them. Right, absolutely. So now we're going to head into D-line, you said? D-line, let's go D-line, D-line. linebacker, corner, safeties. All right, so... I think Von Miller's gone. I think he's just a placeholder for training camp right now. See, the sarcasm got me the first time. Not that and time. It, it's it's <laughs> no, washed up. Not quite. Not quite. Um, no, Von Miller's a lock. Um, What's your number? How many How many you got? Five. You got five D linemen? I have nine. I have like eight. DTs and DNs. Yeah. Oh, I'm only doing DNs. No. Sorry, sorry, sorry. In total. Yeah, in total. Like the D line, yeah. Together, it's like the okay. offensive line. All right, sorry, I was going, I was dividing them. Still, I apologize. Um, It'll be like five. Whoa. Yeah. So my eight are Von Miller, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, uh, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Tim Settle, and Jordan Phillips. Obviously, you have nine, Michael. Do you have Shaq making the team? Yeah, I put Shaq just because it's been proven that they like to do a rotation. Right. So and you got to keep guys in the rotation and. Just Shaq having that Lawson. extra guy, I think, is going to make a difference. Plus, we, he's been in the system before. Right, and we reobtained Shaq Lawson as well. So I think 
he's definitely a lock. I don't know if he's a lock. I think he has to make his way on the roster because I don't think he'll get that much playing time behind. You're right. Behind, yeah. behind Von Miller and the three young D- DNs, um, you know, he might have to struggle for some time. But I'm just to excited to see Russo and, and Miller. You know, I feel like that's going to be a dynamic duo, if you will. And it's going to help out Oliver in the inside. So obviously, with the young DNs, Von Miller, maybe Shaq making the team. Obviously, for Joe. For Joe's sake, because he split him up, we'll talk more now about the interior defensive lineman. You know, Ed Oliver broke out last year in a big way, got his fifth-year yeah. option. Um, I think he has his actual breakout season this year, though. With sacks. Yeah, he where can, he can really make a contract for himself in the coming years, you know, establish himself. He is, on, in my opinion, he's the lock on the team in that position. Well, lock starter, sure. Yeah, I think lock the, starter. I think the other spot is up for, but probably you see, like, Daquan Jones, uh, more well, of a veteran guy, probably get the other spot. Well, obviously, you would say Oliver's more of a rusher. He'd want to rather get to the quarterback as Daquan Jones is more of like that. He'll just eat blocks, run stopper. Well, that's what you want. You need a, a that balance. Was, that was star yeah. all day. He well, just ate up blocks. Right. And then, I mean, you look at teams we're playing, you need that because we're playing, are we playing the Colts or no, we're not no we played the Colts, the Colts last year. Well, we're playing teams like the Titans, teams like the Browns. Yeah, with Derrick Henry. That like to run the ball downhill. Yeah. Um, Tim Settle is another guy that I think all of us are kind of understand that he's a very underrated piece that they got from Washington. Possibly, you know, he's still young in his mid 20s, so he could possibly have an impact on the team and probably take that starting job from Daquan Jones. Yeah, definitely um, able to be developed pretty well. Yeah. Know? And also, you can't forget about Jordan Phillips making his return. I think he'll be a nice little rotational piece as a. You know, third down pass rusher in the interior. Right. Phillips for Phillips, man. We lost Harrison, but we got Jordan back. And, you know... Probably a net negative, but that's okay. Yeah, it's all right. You know, he's... Jordan Phillips is decent at what he does. He he can go out and you can feel comfortable with him on the field, in my opinion, based off of his previous performances. Veteran guy. They're definitely going to have a nice little rotation. Right. And that's McDermott's whole style on Frazier. And I'm just glad Frazier's still here to keep that same style going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we're going to... Rotate from the D-line to the linebackers. Michael, let you uh, kick us off here. Yeah, no. So uh, the LBs, I got. I only got five of them. I got Edmonds, Milano, Manikiewicz, Dodson, and Bernard. I have six. I put Balen Specter. Um, yeah. Because I think... I'd throw him on the squad. I think there's just going to be another like special teams linebacker, especially because he's a draft pick, and maybe they view him as a potential you know depth linebacker down the road as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Andre Smith, I think, is going to be on the suspended list. I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't know if there's a way to do that. No, I... I think he botched himself. Yeah, yeah, that was with the performance enhancers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Tremaine Edmonds is in for a big year right now, though. He's got a. He's got. We're so anti-Tremaine. I it am. I know you have his jersey. I know you're a big fan, but he was touted to be to this, prove it, prove a year for the guy. Yeah, he was touted to be this amazing. You know, we're building him up. He's going to come out be the top linebacker in the league. As soon as Lorenzo Alexander leaves, he's just kind of been there. You know what I mean? He doesn't really. He's not very. He hasn't made enough impact. No, plays. and he's not what they said he was supposed to be. And I think that's something he needs to prove this season. And his contract's up at the end of this year, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? I'm just gonna. I, I think this is his last year in uniform, Bills uniform, unfortunately, because I think he's gonna get a payday, and I don't think it's gonna be by the Buffalo Bills. No. Wow. Who do you think who would take him? I uh, I don't. I would have to look at other people's rosters, but whoever needs a middle linebacker in a, like a four three scheme, yeah, would probably want him. So I think he'd be gone, and it's interesting to see how they're going to replace him. Maybe he goes and plays with his brother in Pittsburgh. Maybe, but they just signed Miles Jack, and they oh, still have mind. Devin Bush there. So yeah, that would be an interesting conversation to have. But again, a lot more special teamers. Obviously, they usually only play with two linebackers, Milano and Edmonds. 
the third linebacker, AJ Klein, last year got cut. Unfortunately, so now, yeah. So now they replaced him with Bernard, the third round pick. So he didn't play much of the season anyway. He had COVID a couple times, right? So he was yeah, out Dodson, for a while. Dodson really mostly was the third linebacker, and he was all right. Yeah, he's more of a fourth linebacker in my opinion. Right, but. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we'll just keep this going here. Move to the the corners. Uh, I have right now six of them. Uh, we got Trey, we got Kyrie Elam, Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis, and Saran Neal. Obviously, White's not probably going to start the year, but he'll be back like Halloween time, probably. Hopefully, maybe think? earlier. But realistically, I saw November. Like, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. is he recovering from his surgery already? Did he have it? Do we know? Yeah, or, no, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. He had this, it's just because no, he, it's just he some... tore it on Thanksgiving, and usually it's a uh, year, like a year. Yeah. So I I have six cornerbacks. Um, I lo- I have your same list except I have Trey as just the IR spot, and I have Christian Benford. Yeah, uh, the six round pick out of Villanova just being on the roster as it's constructed, just because I, I would doubt that Trey would be ready by opening day. So yeah. for me, it's the same six, but Trey's on IR, so then I just added Benford and then Nick McLeod. He's been working out kind of as a safety as well. He's also a, a versatile cornerback. I think he'll probably try to make the practice squad. I think he might get claimed because I think he's might be too good to not be on an NFL roster. Right. He's also another solid. A little younger uh, depth piece in the practice squad for them as well. Well, yeah, I mean, depth is exactly what you need and what you want. That's a McDermott style, you know, you got to have it. And that's why they were still successful, in my opinion, last year in that position with Dane Jackson. He's a great depth guy to have. He really stepped into that role that Tredavious White left a huge hole in. Didn't, you know, do as well as he did, of course, but definitely a placeholder that was definitely... Adequate. Adequate, yeah, sorry. I was trying to find the word there for a minute, but he... He's definitely a lock on the the roster, I think, after his oh, performance yeah. last year. He's a year. solid you know, third corner, yeah, third. but if need be, can step up into that number two corner role and be adequate, kind of like what Levi Wallace was for years. He he honestly, in my opinion, played better than Wallace did last season. Yeah, but And that's why Wallace is gone. They didn't want to pay Wallace the money. Nope. So they exactly. were okay, and they drafted Elam, hopefully be a stud cornerback, and hopefully Trey recovers. Right. You think it starts out Jackson and Elam, right? Is that what you would say? I would say that would be the, probably the safest yeah. bet. But uh-huh. I probably after the first month, it's probably going to be Trey, Elam, and then Jackson's Jackson. the third corner kind of yeah. on the outside. Right, Because yeah. then they have Taron Johnson on the inside playing slot. Oh, he's his new number. Mike's anti-one number, you know, they're <laughs> the small number for the defensive guys, but... You know, he's number nine, is he? Seven. Seven. Number seven. Tree, er, no, Mackenzie's number six. That's right. Andre Smith's number nine. Andre Smith's nine. Wow, I can't believe that. Wow, he knows the single numbers and he absolutely hates them. Well, he's also a linebacker, so Mike probably hates that too, right? Yeah. Just, just how does that look natural? <laughs> so we'll, look, we'll go to the final category of the 53-man master of safeties. Um, I got four. I got Micah High and Jordan Poirier. Obviously, I expect Poirier to be on the roster. Yeah, he unless went. his, you know, Rachel Bush, the Twitter warrior... Starts going crazy again. I'd be something about that. And then I got Jaquan Johnson and Demar Hamlin as the backups, uh, corners slash special teamers. No, it's identical for me. Yeah, I, that's, think, I think with four of them, that's uh, we're all going to have the same thing. I don't me. really think there's a fifth corner. I mean, Bedford or McLeod might be like that. You know, the, the first shifty one. Shifty you could, one. yeah, you could yeah. throw them on there if you really have to. If it comes down to it, but, but I doubt they would ever have to do that. So. No, but I'm excited. I mean, I guess. Poyer's agent is in talks, I've heard, loosely, over the, the, the past couple weeks. I would assume that they're going to get a contract. Yeah, I, I don't know how you separate him and Hyde, but he can't be expecting, like we said, anything massive because 
He's older, so this is a fun little exercise. It is, it, it is. is. Yeah, building the roster shows how many you know really quality players they have, and also a lot. It was kind of hard to cut it down to fifty-three right. people. And now you can imagine actually doing that with your money and all that stuff. You know, yeah. with, with the GM. We do this with, for free. Like, yeah, we do that for fun, just for fun. Yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 there's millions <laughs> of dollars at stake. Right? Yeah, thousands of dollars every move they make. People's lives at stake. Yeah, you know, their their jobs. It's yeah, you know, I can't put myself in those shoes, but it's definitely interesting. What do you mean? I do that uh, every year when I get the new Madden. Are you going to buy Madden 23? More than likely. Yeah. It's one of those games, the reskins, man. You just keep getting them. They keep getting you every year. Every year, $60. Yep, $60 out of my bank hey, account NC, every September. NCAA is coming out next summer. Yes, I'm looking forward to that very much, bringing that back. The return. The return of the long-lost game. Speaking of like a video game, what, you, what you'd what you want to see probably doing a video game is have Josh Allen and uh, George Kittle together. Oh, yeah. Definitely not realistic, no. but unless George Kittle came to Buffalo. Hey, he's a fan, dude. He was a fan of the Bills Mafia with all their donations with Dawson Knox winning the donation charity. Big race. guy came in hot. Had well, one night it took from, him to, to yeah. bump it up to ten, and then it went astronomically yeah, high from there. Fifty grand. Uh, Kittle was very impressed, and uh, obviously Josh is at Tulane University, sling on the rock. I saw a video of him walking with. Um, Zach Wilson, you know, just walking around meandering, you know, figuring it out. I thought it was pretty cool to see that Josh was bigger than some of the other tight ends there. I know. Isn't that nuts? Like, you think about it, you think about it logically, like, oh, a tight end's massive, right? You put your quarterback next to him, shouldn't be like that. You know, he should look scrawnier, a little smaller. No. Well, Zach Wilson did. Yeah. Well, right. That's how it, That's how you think of it. But then Josh Allen standing next to these massive guys. And I think, you know, Gronkowski's a massive dude, and he re- he's retired now. But massive dude, I think jo- he would Josh would still be around his size, don't you? Sure, sure. Like right it's crazy. There. Yeah, three other bills were in attendance at the time position. OJ Howard, Dawson Knoxon. Can anyone guess the third one? Wittemeyer. Yes. <laughs> Mike's 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 Jalen Wittemeyer. Mike's buddy, Jalen Wittemeyer. Also, quick side note, uh congratulations to Dawson Knox. Obviously uh old Miss alum and his old Miss Rebels just won the college baseball world series, so round of applause. Little congrats to him. Congrats, Doss. He probably has a lot of uh, a lot of family and friends out there. Mm-hmm. Not family, but well, family. A lot but, of bragging yeah. rights. Yeah, and again, I think this is a real, the Titan University just as a concept is really interesting because I think it's awesome to see all the tight ends: Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Kittle, Kyle Pitts, all around. And I think it's a right. great thing to learn new things, and it obviously helped Dawson Knox last year break out, and hopefully he yeah. gets another jump this year. I love seeing him interact outside of a game situation. You know, it's like nice to see how they're actually all friends. You know, like even the match we were talking about that. You know, there was competition there, of course, but those guys all had some camaraderie. Minus Tom Brady swearing on national TV. But, I mean, other than that, it was it was pretty cool to watch, for sure. I mean, let's be honest, Joe. You would probably be the most likely to swear on national TV. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, gotta, you, gotta you and Tom Brady have something in common there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd get rowdy right there. You know, I'd get into it. So, it's just how it is. Well, yeah. It was, again, it was cool to see Josh there. Cool to see our young tight ends developing. Obviously, we saw... Our young uh, defensive ends go to Von Miller's Passion Rushing Academy in Las Vegas uh, two weeks ago, I believe, or something yeah. around there. So cool to see the young guys, you know, taking the time the off season to learn from the best in the business, and hopefully they right. can take that knowledge onto the field. Well, like you said, Dawson Knox did it last season, and look at what he did. He caught a pass that wasn't even supposed to be caught in that playoff game against the Patriots. It was a throwaway. Guy goes up and grabs it. Absolutely electric. I mean, I, I just can't wait to see this season, especially Von Miller having such an impact on this team. I can't wait. I'm very excited. Seems like he's the final piece of this. Talk about Von Miller. 
Um, Bob Miller was at the Colorado Avalanche Game 5. He was wearing Avs gear, obviously, you know, being in Denver for over a decade and winning a Super Bowl MVP with them. Obviously, you wouldn't... You can't blame him. You wouldn't expect him to be wearing Buffalo gear, but hopefully, you know... Well, your Sabres get to that point, you know, as Joe says, next year. Yep. They're they're getting indenting the Stanley Cup next year. They had, what, the 19th best odds? Yeah. Something like that. They did. All I'm saying, there's there's a lot of people that have a favorite team in an Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, that kind of deal, AFC, NFC, so... You know, Vaughn, you could cheer on the Western Conference, uh, your abs, but hopefully in the Eastern Conference, uh, he's, we, he becomes a Bills, uh, Sabres fan, excuse me. Well, he yeah, should buddy. be a Bills fan, he signed with them. Uh, yeah, I would hope. I mean, you know, I hope he'd like and be a fan of the team he's playing for. But, yeah, I hope if, you know, when the Sabres go to the Cup next season, uh, I think he's going to be there in a Sabres jersey. I can't wait. Exciting, exciting. We'll talk a little bit more Von Miller later, later in the podcast, but let's, let's uh, rotate now to... Obviously, last week we did the worst draft picks for the Sabres during their um, their last decade. Let's do it now with uh, the Buffalo Bills. Mike, you can start us off here, buddy. So, last decade, the beginning of it was just bad. We were a bad team. We just were, I feel, mismanaged, and we just didn't have any good players. Buddy Knicks. We come yeah. out of this decade, <laughs> and we're a Super Bowl contender, the betting favorites to win. Right. So, you know, we look at some of these moves here and like the ones that highlight me like i'll just i'll just say one just no, I'll let you, you guys go, say. go on your run go on your run. i, I, no, I mean i'm, I'm kind of going all over. i think we're all doing this in a different way i mean i'm, I mean, I'm just kind of the, the most notable there. ones to me like i i say zay jones back in 2017 like i mean it just seemed like anytime he was playing for the bills you know you, you throw it through in his direction like 50 50 shot he caught it or dropped it so like i mean I don't know. I don't know if he's still in Vegas or not, or where he signed. He's down with Jacksonville. Yeah, he's, Jacksonville. In, he's at the Jags now. Trevor Lawrence is. So I mean, like, I think he improved a little bit with the Raiders, but overall, like, he he just didn't not worth second round pick for the Bills. And then another guy who went to the Raiders, uh, Nathan Peterman. <laughs> we really I mean, put a fifth round pick down. I mean, think, Honestly, think about it. You got to think about it though. It is a waste of draft pick because he was given a shot to start. He was given a shot to start over Tyrod Taylor. And he throws four interceptions in the first Five. half. And Five. the first game of Josh Allen's career as a Buffalo Bill. He gets yeah. He starts and then absolutely just is murdering the game. Like he was bad. Yeah. Josh Allen comes in as a rookie and does better than he did in the Chargers game and that game. The Ravens game. The Ravens game. So l- l- let me guess, your next uh draft pick is Jake Fromm. I mean, no, I did not put him on the list, oh, but yeah. you, you could consider him a, a, a bust. I mean Think about Pierman and Fromm were drafted to be like backup quarterbacks, and they're not even worth, in my opinion, Jake being Fromm on the roster. Jake Fromm can't even play in, in the on the Giants. Yeah, he you didn't know, play like for the he's Giants. struggling, absolutely struggling. QB sneak on third and long. Yeah, like what are we talking about here? Come on. No, and then I mean, obviously, I think the one that we're all going to have on this list is uh, EJ Manuel. <laughs> yes, th- first round pick right there. Eventually, and, lost his job to Tarad. Yeah, he just he never never. Uh, he lost his job to Kyle Orton, so I mean that's even worse. Yeah, I, so I mean, like, yeah. come on, bad pick. No, that was a that's a tough moment. Tough, tough moment. Joe, I'll like I'll let you go second. I ranked mine one through four. I did four of them, right? So I will say I did take a fifth round pick in Jake Fromm. He is on my list because he's absolutely gone and resulted in nothing. Um, he's listed at number three. Number one's EJ Manuel. I'm hopping right onto that because it's just he he did absolutely nothing here. He was touted to be this great college player. He did. He performed well in college, and then he came here and absolutely could not play. Um, 
Granted, it was under Doug Marone's scheme and also... Rain. What do you mean? Rain. His rain. Yeah, yeah, his rain. The rain, yeah. Rain of terror. Uh, the rain of terror. Doug Marone destroyed the team even more. Kyle Orton, like Mike said, took his job. And then eventually Tyrod Taylor. At number two for the worst, I have Zay Jones. Alike to Mike's list. He's, you know, might have enhanced his gameplay a little bit in Vegas. But really has done nothing too special. Especially on the Bills. He was not memorable at all. Again, just now he's playing for who, did we say? The Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags, and it's just, I you, as soon as he was gone, he made Kelvin Benjamin look really good, and Kelvin Benjamin was lackluster, you could say. So it was just not the best. Number three is Jake Fromm. He's failing in the Giants right now. Maybe Brian Dable keeps him around. Is he around Is still, Jake Fromm? I believe he's there? still on the Giants. He might not be anymore. Does he have a contract, or was it just like he, they signed him for the end of that season? I think they just signed They claimed him off the practice squad. Yeah, just because mm. Daniel Jones was hurt. And then. And so was Mike Glenn, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had nowhere just a waste. else to go. Yeah. But anyway, wasted Bill's draft pick. He did nothing, but he was on the COVID reserve for a while because it was COVID season. That's why I forget Mike's trivia last week. He mentioned who was drafted by the Bills in the first round in 2020, what quarterback. Uh, I forgot about him because it was just all on TV. There was you mean no, the, la- the last Bill draft? The last Bill draft, yes. Yeah. That, sorry, I misworded your trivia question from last <laughs> week. I apologize. But it's just not a memorable pick, and it could have gone without it. You could have put it somewhere else. And finally, I have Tremaine Edmonds. I know it's controversial, wow. okay? It's controversial. Worked out what the worst pick of the last 10 years, and in all of them you picked Tremaine Edmonds? Yes, I'm sorry. I don't wow. think he's. I do not think he's performed well enough to be considered one of our best draft picks. That's just my opinion. Yeah, but he's not one of the worst. He's, he's ba- like mediocre. It's yeah, but he's, he's on ba- four. Yeah, but he's good enough to be the 16th overall pick in the draft. I don't know. We got to see this season in my. He's would definitely you, who better would you, than some guys that we drafted. Yeah, who would that you? Have, who would you have picked at, uh, instead of him? I don't even know. I don't really. Yeah, I, you know, they, you're I, just I, a hater. No, I you're just, just don't. I'm not, not. I'm not a fan of Tremaine. And yeah, that's but, just you, where but you have nothing from. to back up. That he's been the wor- one of the worst. I need picks. to see him this season. Edmonds is definitely better than. If he's gone after this season, why? There's no positive net game. I, I, I Tremaine just, Edmonds better than Epinesa, better than Basham, better than Ronald Darby. Yeah, and I, I, I just keep going. I think I think honestly we need to have like a trash take button between us and just like smash <laughs> that down for you, that one. But I honestly I did a, I guess a more different approach than both of you because I went further back. I guess earlier into the decade, obviously the twenty four. Well, well, I technically you guys did EJ, so that was twenty thirteen. But obviously the twenty fourteen draft is like the complete utter disaster. Trading a first round pick to trade up Sammy Watkins um, when they could have if they were going to trade up. Could have picked Mike's boy, Mike Evans. Or Khalil Mack. Or Khalil, or Khalil Mack, the local product. I think the next topic should be who have the Bills missed in their draft picks. Oh, oh I'm going to give you a lot of them right now. Or they could have stayed at 9 and picked OBJ. Um, also in that draft, the Bills drafted uh, Cyrus Granjo, uh, 44th overall. Cyrus Granjo, wow, what a bust. <laughs> that and, was a bust. And he <laughs> didn't do jack. And right after him was Stefan Tewitt. Uh, the defensive tackle slash he retired. Yeah, he just retired. Really good career. And also, 53rd overall in that draft. Can you guess the wide receiver? I'll give you a hint. Played for the Green Bay Packers. Got traded this offseason. Oh, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams <laughs> was drafted. They missed out him. Oh, imagine if we snagged Devontae Adams. Yep. My gosh. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Also, in 2016, they drafted Shaq Lawson, 19th overall, because uh, Rex Ryan's son was the wa- was like a walk-on on Clemson. Yeah, just... Don't forget about that second round pick, Reggie Ragland. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> Reggie Ragland. I can't believe that. Well, also, it's really funny because 
of all the people that are available at nine at nineteen was Kenny Clark, Jalen Smith. Obviously, he had the knee problem, so they probably won't get injected him. Emmanuel Ogba, Chris Jones, Xavier Howard. So, um, well, Jalen Smith, I don't think, is on a roster right now. No, but he was a Pro Bowl linebacker for at a little time. Bit. It's better than Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> Come Short on, lived. Elf. Those Short are all lived. pro. Those are all. I know Alba isn't, but Alba had back-to-back nine sack seasons. No, that's insane defensive talent on the board, and they picked Shaq. Um, also, as Mike said, Shaq. they picked uh, Reggie Raglan, forty-first overall uh, in the second round. Reggie Raglan, uh, just a three-four linebacker that can't cover uh, probably the slowest of slow running backs or tight ends. Anyone could get receiving yards against him. You, you got a point there. Was, the, was not he a on the Chiefs roster when they won the Super Bowl? I might have. This is a dumb know, You know EJ Manuel was on the Chiefs at one point? He was traded yeah, to the Raiders and then the Chiefs. Was he on the practice squad or something? No? I think he was roster? a third string, like, bottom-tier quarterback over so there. Do you want Sorry, to... I kind of interjected No, it's there, all right. But... You don't want to know another star-wide receiver they could have had instead of Reggie Ragland? Sure. Hit me with it, buddy. He was from Ohio State. Michael Thomas. Yep. So they they whipped that Michael Thomas and Devon Dabbs <laughs> in the second round. But, but we redeemed ourselves because we picked Zay Jones in 2017. Right, exactly. Zay Jones, the savior. The all-time leader receiving uh, in receptions but from East Carolina. He had like 399, I want to say. That's the toughest thing about drafting, in my opinion, though, is these guys could be phenomenal in college and then just absolutely well, murder the you know, schemes and stuff. They might not fit into the scheme. Right. And then, you know... It, that that makes a difference too. Plus, this, you need the right coaching. Yeah. Like Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he's elite. But like, if he didn't have Andy Reid, would he be as highly touted as he is right now? No, the Walrus is pretty good. I will say that. Who's the Walrus? Andy Reid. You ever seen him? The Walrus. I call I, Darren Waller the Walrus. No, Andy Reid's got that mustache. Darren that Waller's down. the Walrus. Like this. No one calls Andy Reid the Walrus. I, I mean, he looks... Mike, What do you, do you call Andy Reid the Walrus? We call him Big Red. I, don't call I just call Big... him Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't know. I've called him the Walrus for like the, three the years. The only person I know in the NFL that goes by the Walrus is Darren Waller. Oh, this isn't a chosen nickname, though. It was like, you know, it was just... All right. Like, he look, he looks like he could be in the movie Happy Feet playing a Walrus. Like, you know. That's a little rude, don't you think? The mustache. It's the mustache. I'm not even saying... Like, it's it's the mustache with the glasses. I'm telling you. All right. All right. Let's, let's simmer down here. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, we're gonna move on to our next topic. Another little drought-related uh, topic. Who were the most impactful players of the drought era? Well, Mike, you're a big drought guy. You yeah. know, big Bills history guy. I mean, we'll sorry, few bud. I think the most notable person, first person that came to my mind, is obviously Kyle Williams. You right. could you could say that he might have been the best player of the drought years, and you know he was able to get to the playoffs last year of his career. Well, second last year of his career. And, you know, it was, it was nice to see because, you know, he just spent, he was committed here and not wanting to leave, always coming back. And it just was the same thing every year. No playoffs, mediocre play, but he stood out. Yeah. So I, I think he was just the best player. Well, he, he started 162 games during the drought. Yeah. So that's a pretty <laughs> insane number. Yeah. Six-time Pro Bowler has the franchise record for stacks by a defensive tackle at 48 and a half. Wow. Definitely probably the best defensive player uh, in the draft, probably career-wise, I think there might be some player people that would argue Jarius Bird uh, might have had the best overall season by a defensive player when he, I think he had led the league in interceptions. Mario Williams also had a first-team All-Pro season. I think he had 15 sacks. I loved Kyle Williams and Mario Williams together, though. And then with the, the, cold, Jim, the cold front, with the Jim Schwartz scheme, that's, that's what they were called, the cold front. Yeah, but when we Darius, went, Jerry Hughes, yeah, Mario. They when all we initially switched, though, they for whatever reason, Mario Williams just 
kind of tanked, but could they change? Well, the he, up a he yeah. became like a three-four outside linebacker yeah, by Rex Ryan. That yeah, was another, Rex Ryan. Yeah, another, another poor move by Rexy Buddy. But no, those those guys are definitely mentioned. Um, I bet I think Kyle is probably the most impactful. If we're just naming an impactful na- naming player. impactful player, yeah. I think for offensive, if we're talking like an offensive player, mine is Freddie Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. The Incredible uh, Hulk. D three yeah. D three downhill runner. Was yeah. a D three guy. I uh, had over thousand yards in his career with the Bills. Third all time in rushing, mm-hmm. behind just OJ and Thurman. So I think that's a pretty cool stat. Obviously, Eric Moulds had the best receiving season by a Bills in two thousand two before Stephon Diggs in uh, twenty twenty. And obviously Stevie Johnson. Another trivia question: the only Bills receiver to have three thousand. Uh, sorry, a thousand yards in three straight seasons, not three thousand yards. Yeah. Uh, so I think those guys need to be mentioned as well in this conversation about other great players. Right. I mean, I I picked the same guys, Mike. I've met him before, Kyle Williams. He's an awesome guy. I met him. I actually made him a pizza. I'm not going to lie to you. I used to work at a pizza joint, and I was catering an event he was at. Name the pizza joint. Pizza Amore. I was the wood-fired way. I was working for him, you know. And he came up. He ordered some stuff. And I got a picture with him afterwards. He's He's such a nice guy. Big guy, though, next to me. Holy cow, I felt small. But you look at that video when Andy Dalton threw that amazing shot downfield and got us into the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. The emotion he had on his face. He was crying with his kids in the locker room. It was just, that's the guy you want. You know, he was very impactful to the fan base. I guarantee if he came back ever and did the flag waving, and he would get a standing ovation. The audience would erupt. It would be absolutely wonderful. He's he's my most impactful. At least for me, he was very impactful. He's most impactful. Again, but I will end on this. Uh, you know, we talk about offense, we talk about defense. We got to give the specialists some love. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Brian Mormon, probably the best specialist during the drought era. Uh, started 190 games, getting rocked in the Pro Bowl by <laughs> Sean Taylor. <laughs> I think Kiko Alonso actually was two, our most impactful player. Two-time first-team All-Pro, <laughs> the best punter in franchise history. Yeah, also the driver. Ryan Lindell was also a pretty solid kicker, even though he didn't have the biggest leg. Has the most starts at 152 games. So those those guys, we're gonna, we're gonna give the the little guys some love yeah. as well. Yeah, we gotta show, we gotta spread the love. And I'm gonna show a little more love to Von Miller. Is he the best pass rusher in the AFC East? Yes, I think he is. Really? Yes. I downright think he is. He's got the more impressive career. I mean, We ain't talking about career. We're talking about best player right now, sir. Right now? I still say yes. I, I don't see how you can argue it. I don't. I don't. The answer I could see the can. argue. I could see maybe Judon. Judon, no, you, well, can't, yeah, but like, you can't argue Judon. The reason why you can't argue Judon is that, yes, he had 12 and a half sacks, which is more than Von Miller by three, but he fell off an absolute cliff. The, only, the main uh, thing yeah. you argue with Miller is that he's 33 years old. Yeah, the, yeah his age. But he was still won the, you know, I know we don't, won the Super Bowl. we don't always love PFF, but he was the third-ranked edge defender um, out of 108 edge defenders last year. Judon was only 66. And um, he still makes his name every game he plays. Yeah, and know? I think the thing, Judon, yeah, he had 12 and a half sacks, but he really teared it off in the end of the year, and also he's not as good as a run defender as... Von Miller. Von Miller is one of the more underrated run defenders in the entire NFL. He had an 88 uh, grade in both pass rush and rush uh, and run defense this year from PFF. So wow. I think he's really underrated in that fact of yes, he rushed the passer well, mm-hmm. has over 100 career sacks, but right, the he, al- he also well. has been very good in the run. And that's what makes him such a dynamic. Look at you, you enlightened me a little bit. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't even yeah, think about Greg that. Greg Rousseau was also a very good run run defender as yeah. well on the edge last year. So having those two guys is really going to help. 
you know, so help those uh, linebackers like you know Tremaine. Hopefully, he, I honestly yeah, all whatever. all my opinions aside on Tremaine, I hope he does well this season and earns a paycheck from the Bills. You know, I really do. I just hope to see it. That's all. Also, I guess an underrated AFC East pass rusher would probably be Agba Emmanuel Agba from the Dolphins. Back to back nine sack seasons was ranked twentieth in edge rushers last year. I think he's a little underrated, but. Mm-hmm. Again, Judon's probably going to get a lot of name recognition because of just the, the sack number. number. He put up last year. Just the yeah. sack number, but he, I mean, he was terrible the last two games, and the Bills played them and did absolutely nothing against our boy Dean Dawkins. So. No, the Matt, snowman was the Iceman. He was stuck in the ground. There Matt Judon no also wears single digit number nine. <laughs> That's why Mike hates him. <laughs> Mike knows everything about him because he's got his number, number nine. Well, but a good thing for Mike, Von Miller wears the number 40, so I guess he can't complain yeah. too much. It's a little awkward for an edge rusher, oh but my gosh. better than a single yeah, digit. It's a linebacker number. He was an outside linebacker. He was an outside linebacker for the Broncos in a 3-4 scheme. So Right, you're right. Yeah. That, would, that, would, that would track. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for our Bills topic for today. We'll be right back with more of the Buffalonian Podcast right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, feel free to DM us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and let us know. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. And we are back with the Buffalonian Podcast, transitioning from our Buffalo Bills talk to our Buffalo Sabres talk. And we are first going to discuss a little... GM comparisons, best trades from each Jason Bowrell, Tim Murray, and Kevin Adams, and then we will be discussing their worst trades, and we'll also be ranking them from worst to best. You guys excited? I'm pumped. Do you want to, like, each one gets one GM here, or, like, just say we all... Can, why don't we do a roundtable? I mean... All three here. Yeah, yeah. I agree, I agree, I agree. Yeah. So, do we start with the worst trades or the best? I think we get I bad news we, out first, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. bad news always comes first. So, we're going to go from... We, you know, we're going to go Tim Murray to Barrel to Adams, because that's, you know, when, that, when they were with the team. Sounds good. All right. Uh, so, I'll start, I guess. Tim Murray... I, it's 50-50 to me. I guess we could debate it. Um, either it's them trading a 2015 first-round pick, which ended up being Colin White, to Ottawa for Robin Lettner and David Leguan because David Leguan was terrible, and Lettner just never worked out. It's also they get penalty points because they traded a first-round pick in the 2015 draft, and that draft was loaded. So it's not like trading you know, a first-round pick in like the 2011 draft, which is really bad. Like This draft, was, there were some studs yeah. at, that, at that time in the first round. Uh, and honestly, now I, I kind of just talked myself into the, actually the other trade I just put down, which was trading Tyler Myers, Drew Stafford, Brendan Lemieux, Joe Armia, and uh, 2015 first round pick to one peg for Zach Bogosian, Evander Kane, Jason Kasdorf. I think that's how you say it. Um, this is just a terrible trade. I, obviously, Evander Kane was a very troubled young player that they thought they were getting a, a steal on. Obviously, he had legal troubles at the time. He still does have legal troubles, so I guess that just didn't work out. Bogosian just couldn't stay healthy and was just kind of, meh, overpaid. And, again, trading a first-round pick in that draft is really brutal, and that's just bad. Yeah, no, so here's here's the thing. Like, I, I put the Leonard Leguan deal on here just because, like, just overall, Leguan was bad. He was at the end of his career. Leonard just, like you said, never worked out, and then he just wanted out and was kind of just not in the right spot. So I put that one ahead because at least we got something out of, I guess, we got more out of, I would say, Kane and Bogosian than we did Leonard and Leguan. 
but they probably also gave up more if you look. Yeah, at it. no, we no. They gave up I, a lot more actually. Than no, no, it. I know that, but I'm just I'm just saying like overall for the impact in return, I think the Winnipeg Jets gave us more of an impactful return because Bogosian played with us for like six, seven seasons, and Evander Kane had three years, and I think he put up a tw- at least two twenty goal seasons. So I mean, like he wasn't. They weren't terrible, but like yeah, but that Ludner, would be Ludner also wasn't. At, terrible, and then he couldn't stop a shootout stop. So you I, went to a shootout with Robin Leonard. It was an I don't see. I'm like, yeah. I, I've completely changed my view. I, the Winnipeg Jets trade is way worse than the Robin Leonard trade. I did, I think it's the other you one. gave up so much more. You gave up so much. Yeah, but more. no. My lot. argument is that they had more of an impact. No, they didn't. Zapogosian barely played. You know, and he was Zapogosian was here for like seven years. Yeah, he was terrible when he played. Yeah, Leguan played one terrible year. His contract had to be terminated. Yeah. His contract had to be terminated. No, they did yeah. And Leguan played like, one no... terrible year, and Leonard didn't Le... do much at all. He Leonard was, was all solid. Right. Yeah, but they traded, yeah. they traded like the 20th. average. They traded the 20th pick. Yeah, but look at the people who were selected in the second round they, of that draft. He wasn't draft. below average. He actually had a couple years where he wasn't that bad. So, no. They, 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 they traded the 20th pick. They traded another first round pick, and they traded Armia, who turned out to be somewhat decent. Same thing with Lemieux. Stafford was a th- solid third liner, and Tyler Myers was a Top four D man, right shot D man too, which are rare to find. So I, I don't know. I think they gave up a lot more for Bogosian and Kane. That also just didn't work out. So, All right. Joe, so, you know, Mike, I go ahead. Joe, you, you know, my worst Tim second. Murray trade is the Ryan Miller and Steve Ott trade for Hollick, Stewart, and Carrier. Yeah, we're just gonna skip you because that was a great trade. So we're gonna skip. <laughs> we're gonna skip. You. I don't. The one day Yarrow Halak was on our roster. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna skip. Right he got rid of Ryan tomorrow. Miller, though. He Ryan did. Miller wanted to leave. He was a yeah. UFA. Yeah, it was just that. Yeah, no, he was a UFA and wanted, wanted out. Because his girl, his wife wanted to go to California or the West Coast. Well, his number's being hung here now, so. Well, again, you could still respect the player when he was here and realize he wanted out. And they also got a first-round pick, and Steve Ott was terrible. Yeah, they so. got a 2015 first-round pick and a 2016 and, and, third round. And Steve Ott was our captain. He was terrible, okay? doesn't mean, it's just you had the seat doesn't mean you were good. Also, the fact is also... Uh, Ryan Miller was terrible for St. Louis, and it's probably one of the reasons why they lost that playoff series to the Blackhawks. So, <laughs> the Blues. Uh, screw the Blues. So, uh, just we're just gonna skip over. I'm that. sorry, you can skip over me. I, no, I mean, no, 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 no. You know, we're gonna. Learn. It was my take. You're, I you're, you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn. This, is, gonna this learn. is this is a, this is a safe environment to learn. <laughs> I don't know. I I I just can learn. The whole Ryan Miller being treated right. thing got me. Yeah. Uh, nostalgia. All right, we'll we'll move on. to Jason Bowers' worst trade. Um, can I start this one? And then you can you can skip me if you so wish. If it's, I mean, I think all of us have the same it's... trade, but we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see if you hit the if you hit the the striker. Kane for O'Regan in a fourth round pick. <laughs> okay, in a conditional. That one okay. That's I was, a bad. I respect that. That actually that was, was a bad a, trade. That was yeah. a bad trade. I don't I think we all have the same one though. By that no, reaction, no, no. I had the O'Reilly trade. <laughs> no, I just I don't know that that's one seemed I, worse. For me, I so I picked that as my worst. Respect that one. That's a bad trade because then they traded that first round pick and Brendan Gooley from Montour, who was also well. Bad. We we held out. So long on Evander Kane, hoping to get such a like a, basically a king's ransom, and we just didn't. Or that he was yeah. going to sign an extension, which he also didn't. Yeah, right. Which is just unfortunate. So now, they're also now let's let's hear your yeah, let's hear your two takes. Well, they're also the Sabers are also was very lucky that he resigned with uh, San Jose. If he didn't resign with San Jose, I think that would have been a second round pick. So yeah, that even been oh, even man. worse. I think Daniel Regan had a cup of coffee with the Sabers. Uh, maybe Rochester. <laughs> he was terrible. He yeah. was just a complete nobody. So they, congratulations. They traded basically they traded Vander Kane for the twenty ninth overall pick, <laughs> and they didn't move that pick for Brandon Montour, who was bad. So that's awesome. Um, for me, it's 
the O'Reilly trade. I think other marks on his is the Montour trade. The Bryn Felique trade is just terrible. Trading a fourth round pick for him was kind of just dumb. Michael Felique. And is also, that when you had two, Mike? I had the O'Reilly trade. The Wayne oh. Simmons trade was also dumb. I mean, the, that's six, that, that, six that games out of that deadline was brutal. That <laughs> yeah, was brutal. it's like he he's like. We were a buyer, even though we were bad. Right. Getting Wayne Cause, Simmons. Because they were six points away from the playoff spot, and then they like had to play like some really good teams like Colorado, and they all lost. Looking back, they, at this they stuff? missed it by a, they missed yeah, the, six games. They Simmons. missed the twelve seeded uh, COVID playoff by one point. And they yeah. would have played Montreal to possibly the winner take all. Looking back at this stuff, it just it amazes me how bad the Sabers were. Though it's not even yeah. funny. Like it's like the Bills. It's it, it's the equivalent for so long. It was just so well, bad. O'Reilly trade gets half. Okay, no, the O'Reilly and O'Reilly trade is bad for this. There's this is really important to understand. The Ryan O'Reilly trade is still a complete black mark on bottle even though Tate Johnson becomes a stud. I I said that that's the best because of the way Tate Johnson. No, oh my god, that can't be the best. No, because the reason why that's the worst is because. He, Jason Byrell screwed up Tage Thompson's development because he put Ralph Kruger and they wanted him to be a power winger. And the, now Granado and Adams made him a center and made him right. You know, I can understand that. I'm going. I was just going off of the players like Thompson seeing his name that we have no, now. No, Byrell gets zero credit for that because he screwed his development. No, so, I'm not. I plus, mean, he basically went for quantity over quality in that well, it's trade. Also, it's also they traded for two cap dumps: Berglund, Sabaka. Sabaka was one of the worst forwards in the entire NHL. Berglund. They're lucky he had like didn't want to be here like thirty yeah. games in just quit on the team so they didn't have to have his cap space. They traded the second round pick that they got for uh, Colin Miller. Uh, that was like second and fifth, I believe. And then the first round pick ended up being Ryan Johnson, who's not not a terrible pick. But no, he doesn't. I don't think Barlow gets credit for the whole Tage Thompson thing because he's the reason they screwed his they screwed the pooch on his development and they didn't even get like the Tage Thompson's probably the third best prospect they could have gotten. They, yeah, they Robert didn't, Thomas, Robert Gordon Thomas. Kyrou. Jordan Kyrie, they couldn't get either one of those. So, no, this is just a fat. It's still an F. It's right. still I bad. mean, I, I just went off of Thompson, and I guess I gave him credit for it. I might not. I, no. sh- I shouldn't Or, or have, boy, but... Kevin Adams and Don Grinnell deserve yeah. all the praise. Okay, yeah, I got you. I understand Mike, that. we'll start a few for your worst uh, Kevin Adams trade. I mean, like, looking through, none of them, I feel like, have had enough time to marinate to know that they're, like, really bad yet. Marinate? Wow, what a word. But, wow. like, We're the, the only one that I folks. noticed that was, like, like kind of bad was... I said the Stahl Johansson trade. Like Eric Stahl, like Johansson wasn't the best player, but like Eric Stahl played half a year with us and was kind of invisible when he was expected to be like so our middle center. six center. So like, yeah, and it just didn't work out. I mean, a lot of things didn't Johansson work out. Johansson wasn't great either, so it was kind no, of like, it, like again, like it wasn't like we gave up so much. No, but but it really for was what we wanted, not what a we were net expecting. Because yeah. Eric Stahl is still pretty solid in Minnesota. Just what we were expecting out of Stahl didn't work out, and then. He gets flipped to Montreal and right. That's what I had as well. I had Johansson and yeah. Stahl. I mean, just uh, like again, like I said, not much like has happened with Kevin Adams yet to where you can grade a worse trade. I, I no. think I think the worst trade is the Taylor Hall for a second round pick and Andrew Bjork. Yeah, I mean, well, again, he, he was strapped. Yeah. Just he was he strapped. No he, was strapped. he gets the, he gets a semi pass because he was strapped. He still didn't get enough. no. If he didn't have that no trade clause, we probably could have gotten a lot more. Probably a first. Right, like maybe a better prospect. We'll, we'll but. see in a couple of years if the, the Reinhardt trade makes this list because Sam Reinhardt's a very good forward for Florida. Obviously, I know they got Levi and they now have the twentieth overall pick, but we'll we'll see if that's if that's enough um, of a return for Reinhardt, who's a bona fide top line winger. Yeah, he's merged. So so let's rank 
Let's go to the best. Let's get to the no, good news. Wait, that, 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 oh, we're going to rank, rank the worst. We're just going to rank the worst. Oh. Right. Wait, wait. So are we, do we have to agree on a consensus one for yes. Tim yes. Murray? Yes. 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 All right. I know what I voted. I know what I voted Dom for voted. the Winnipeg. You voted Joe, for, you're the tiebreaker. Joe, which one was worse? Uh, the Letner Tree or the Vander Kane? Zappar Goes yeah. one. Yeah, Vander Kane. All right. All right. Okay, so that one's that one. The Barrel one's Ryan O'Reilly. And the Adams one... Um, We'll do stall because you guys voted for that. You guys picked that one. Okay. So for mine, I would probably put the stall as Adams has the best worst trade. Yes. Followed by Botterell. I'd put the I'd put the Murray one second. Yeah, I'd put the Murray one second. I put the just because again, like we got we got some decent play out of Amanda Kane and Bogosian. Like you're right. No, that that. Yeah, again, he doesn't get credit. We got nothing out of Berglund and that Sabuka, happened, no. so no. And Ryan Johnson might not even sign with us. No, no the yeah. only thing that was... And they traded a legit first-line center. Yeah, the only thing who that came out of it who had, who had five years left on his contract, too. Yeah. So we... No, yeah. the only thing to ever come out of that one was Thompson, and that wasn't even him doing it, so... Yeah. All right, so now let's do... Let's transition... I guess now... Now we'll go to the good Is it appropriate now? Sorry, sorry. I was jumping ahead of the gun in the air, To transition to the good part... Uh, we'll start with Tim Murray's best trade. Mike will give you the yeah. The and stuff. so mine is when he uh, acquired Ryan O'Reilly. Who who him would and you McGinn. have that one, Mike uh, Joe? Oh, who would you have? I had the O'Reilly trade as well. So I I also did. So all three of us have. Mike, you could read off the trade, buddy. Yeah. So from Colorado, we got uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Jamie McGinn, and we only gave up Mikhail Grigorenko, Nikita Zadorov, JT Confer, and a second round pick. So. Really, the only person that's still on that roster for Colorado is Confer, mm-hmm. and um, congrats to Confer. You won the Stanley. You know, Grigorenko's not playing mm-hmm. in the league Grisham. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zadorov was in Calgary, Chicago, Calgary, Calgary now, Calgary. He was, he was in Chicago. Yeah, so actually, he might be in Chicago now. One of those two teams. You know, I don't. I don't pay attention to Zadorov anymore. But overall, like we got an impact second line center in Ryan O'Reilly, and that's when we first drafted Jack Eichel too. So that was a hype trade. Yeah, we thought like we're gonna have a top two centers that are maybe some of the best in the league here. Yeah. We're gonna have two solid centers to drive yeah, our top six. And even Jamie McGinn, <laughs> you know, was a solid middle six winger. And then we have, we ended up flipping him at the deadline for a third round pick from Anaheim. Yeah. So like overall, I mean, we just it was actually just a complete win because they traded Zadorov, who was nothing more than over physical bottom pair defenseman. Gregorenko, who did absolutely nothing in his entire NHL career. Comfer, who's at best a third line center, more bottom six, good solid bottom six forward, and a second round pick for McGinn, obviously, uh, who was actually a pretty solid player and was able to recoup the asset at the deadline. And Ryan O'Reilly was 23 at the time, an RFA, and was one of the best young centers in the entire NHL at the time. And to get him. For that package is a complete fleecing, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. Fleece, just, the, fleece the trade, everyone. It's just we're funny we're... how acquiring him, we say, is the best, and then when we lost him, was the worst. Well, he's, he's a very good player, and that's probably one of the big reasons why, but Tim Murray definitely deserves credit for that trade. One of the three trades he made, another two trades he made that day, Um, well, we're in our, well, not in, well, no, at offseason, I should say, Um, we're in our worst trade segment, so... Mm. You know, Tim Murray, big swinger, and a lot of times struck out. This one, congratulations, you hit a home run, you hit a bomb 400, 400 feet to dead center field. Or they hit a, a short one out of the right field at Yankee Stadium. Or, or, okay, or <laughs> a little league home run. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's, let's move on to Jason Barrow. Uh I'll start this one off. I think this one is obvious. We are not talking about what happened after the trade. We are just talking about the trade itself. Yeah. Uh, my boy Jeff Skinner. 100%. Uh, trade for Cliff Poo, who is uh, nothing. A second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. Um, 
This yeah. is completely pleasing. Completely to, pleasing. Not, to not have to give up a first-round pick for a guy who was a proven goal scorer. I know he always had those cold years even in Carolina, but he was a proven goal scorer that could put up 30. His first year here, he puts up 40, and you know he was expected with Eichel to, they were supposed to gel really well. And, and they did. That first year they did. And then they Ralph Kruger comes in and Jeff's on the fourth line. So, yeah. Well, you guys know my my best that I wrote down, but you've enlightened me that, 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 that <laughs> the Skinner one is definitely a better trade. Listen, so. we're not going to talk about Because I was thinking hap- more after I, the fact. We're not going to talk what happened after they acquired him and he gave him that contract extension. Uh, yeah. We're just not going to talk about that. But an overall good trade. So now... I think this is a very interesting debate between, my opinion, two trades. Kevin I, Adams' best trade. I got, can I start on this one? I have I, one I mean, that's just not, slightly above, but I know the two you're, you're not. About. You're not going to say some random one. that. No, we'll, no, you're no, not going to no, say no, Taylor no, Hall no, trade? No, no, okay, absolutely good. not. Um, it's Eichel for Krebs and Tuck. You want, do you know the entire package? Do you want me to read it off? You can read the entire package off. Was, I kind of jotted down. It was Jack Eichel and a third-round pick in the 2023 draft for Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, the 16th overall pick in the 2022 draft, and the second-round pick in the 23 draft. So basically it was a... Gotta let the analytics guy be the analytics guy, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A- absolutely. Um, I think that was the best, though. 100%. Yeah, because you get Alex Tuck, who's a top-line winger. And possibility and, of, you know, captain. Yeah, and Peyton know. Krebs is a young prospect who has shown glimpses of being a really good playmaker and just needs a little bit more development, I think. Yeah, and the first round pick is solid, and basically the third to second swap in 23 is basically a 20-spot trade-up, yeah. if you really look at it. Um, yeah, that's definitely... Is that yours, Mike's? I had that one, but the other one that uh, I've highlighted is the Bristolainen. Yeah. yeah. Because getting a first-round pick, the 14th Stud. pick right. for Rasmus Bristolainen. I mean, even Robert Robert Hag, he was just kind of the filler. He was bad. But, you know, we flipped him for a sixth, so. Still no, bad. I could see that one, too, though. But definitely. getting a first-round pick for Ristolainen And a second-round pick in 23. Yeah. That's just probably going to be, I mean, I think the Flyers could be potentially one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. Uh, I guess they're <laughs> trying to not rebuild, but whatever. That's probably, they got, they got that could be a top 40 pick. That could be a top 40 pick next year. So I think that one's a close runner-up because... Not only did they do that with First Lion being a UFA next the next summer, but also they avoided having to pay First Lion that six year six by six contract that the Flyers are now completely stuck with. But no, Eichel's the top one, obviously trading him. And I think what's important too is they didn't take on cap dumps or retain his salary at all. Unlike the O'Reilly one where Bottrell, you know, the St. Louis GM who is it Bill Armstrong? I think Doug Armstrong actually is Doug Armstrong. Dougie, Dougie. Uh, you know he was able to put these cap dumps in Berlin Saboka in there to even out the trade, and Kevin Adams did not do that. He didn't retain any salary. The only salary that they did take back was Tuck, but Tuck is actually a legitimate piece, yeah, you know, top six piece, not not just a cap dump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so, we used our you know big biggest asset this year and uh, future considerations to get Johnny Boychuk's contract, so that helped us. Future consideration. No, but it just—it was a great, great move, especially if all the waiting all summer, all the next stuff that was going on, everything around the organization to get that offer and to get that trade to the organization to also the off ice stuff as well with the just the substitution of Tuck and Eichel. Yeah, um, that's also just a flat dub. Oh yeah. So, so two um, completely different characters, honestly. So honestly, this is really tough. I mean, now we gotta rank them, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Like. And, you know, Murray and Barrel are terrible GMs, but their top trades are they're pretty legit. good. Yeah. See, now it's like, do I? Mm, mm. 
You know what? We're gonna Mike. You're gonna start. I'm gonna yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the top one is gonna be the Eichel one, just because of Tuck is gonna be a top line winger and right. possibly future captain. Krabs has shown potential being, of being a middle six center, yeah. being a playmaker. We have a first round pick that's in the middle of the first round, so in that second round pick, like just getting Jack Eichel, like yeah, he's a great player, one of the best players in the league, but unhealthy. Yeah, he just wasn't healthy and didn't really. Uh, mesh with what no, the culture they was call trying them, to be. The cancel or cancer in the locker yeah, room. Yeah, so I think that's just freeing up ten million dollars is huge, and now we move forward with pieces that's locked up, and can make an impact for this rebuilding team. Yeah, I'm just gonna go for it. I think it's the Eichel trade followed by the Ryan Riley trade followed by the Jeff Skinner trade. The reason why I knocked the Jeff Skinner peg uh, down a peg is because they were trading for a known UFA. And then they paired him with Jack Eichel. I, I'm sorry, I got I got to take the contract into some consideration because he was a UFA, and they knew that they might have had to pay him big bucks. And then they paid him with the best player on the team, and all of a sudden they're paying him nine million dollars the next eight years. I actually would agree with Dom on that. I think that yeah. Ranking. It makes Plus sense. he had those two low years. I mean, not entirely his fault. No, but it's it's the coaching in, staff's fault. In the past, point. Jeff Skinner, even with Carolina, had low years. Yeah, where he regressed. But hey, you know, partying in the USA now though. Yeah, so. I mean. He's never going to be worth that $9 million, but if you think about it, we actually greatly need that cap hit because we are still severely under the cap floor. We'll, yeah. we'll, so. see, we'll see what happens, Up. So we did uh, mention a certain Colorado Avalanche named JT Confer. Congratulations to him. He did win the Stanley Cup. So let's transition to uh, the dent of the cup, and what, what, what do we think of that, can, that can, moment? Can I give my, my opinion on this? Sure, sir. So the denting of the cup has been done by many teams. I mean, Montreal left it on the side of the road. Hashik went for a swim with it, and uh, Tampa dented it as well. And it also got thrown off a balcony in missed pools. Babies have pooped and peed in it. Like, come on. Like, it, <laughs> things, have, things have happened to the cup before. I, I, I think it's just we saw this happen, you know, like on TV. It's just because like, he slipped right he before slipped, the picture. Yeah, slipped and dropped. Like, like Gronk yeah. during the parade dropped yes, one. Yes, exactly. I, I got to yeah. say, I think it's hysterical that everyone laughs about this. But that Tom Brady during the Tampa Bay parade threw, the threw it, and now it was like there was a complete cardinal sin. He had, and like they were, they wanted him to apologize to um, the maker of the Lombardi Trophy's uh, daughter at the time. Well, could you like, imagine if that thing ended up in the water? <laughs> yeah, but sinks right to the bottom. It's right not right coming up. Yeah. yeah, but it did happen. <laughs> I mean, maybe the decision's not the best. Obviously, he wasn't probably fully fully now, with us. But correct me if I'm wrong on this. The real Stanley Cup that. They put everyone's names on. It's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? I, this is kind I, of a, I, not I, a decoy, I believe, but it's like I still think they put people's names. Oh, on this they one, have. Of course, I, I believe they have like three of them. Yes, I want to say they have three of them. There's three. Yeah, so I'm assuming the the real Stanley Cup, the one that's always been there, is probably just in the Hockey Hall of Fame. They're not gonna. They're not, gonna, not getting injured. Yeah, right. yeah. This I, one is probably like a show one. Like uh, bring it out onto the ice. Yeah, like a show. this yeah, is the yeah, one yeah. that tours around the country. Probably the team brings with. Anytime the, yeah, there's like an event where you know they have the Stanley Cup there, that's what that one is. And then I would uh, think probably the third one is just like when they take it home to their families and stuff. Yeah, all that. And then I don't, I don't think know the dent's too what, big of a deal. You can easily buff what the that teams out, do. You know? Yeah, the, it was dented on the bottom, right? You could yeah. probably put a new piece. It, on it. It's different from. I think this is boring. It's different from most sports where. If you win a championship, it's like one trophy made every year. The Stanley Cup is not like that. No, no it's been the same trophy for 100 years. That's why I feel, I mean, 
as I've said, a lot of things have happened to it, but I mean... That's gross. I can't get to that. <laughs> Babies pooped and peed in it? Yeah, that's gross to me. But again, really not the real deal. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to transition here because i got to get that, that... That image out of your head? Yeah. Joe, you want to transition us, bud? Yeah, for sure, buddy. I want to I want to take us into some goalie targets of free agency. Let's let's look at reality versus hopeful here. Do, do you have any that you could think like you want? Because okay. let's face it, forty one yeah. year old bald Craig Anderson isn't cutting it anymore. All right. No, apparently the mic though you suitable to do that. <laughs> oh, show. I forgot that that massive throwdown a couple weeks ago. In, in, I forgot in the, in about the outdoor that. pod studio. The outdoor pod the outdoor studio. Studio. Yeah. <laughs> No, With mean, the birds even, chirping. Even Kevin Adams said he wouldn't. He'd uh, like to bring Craig Anderson back. So I mean, like overall, we're not going to talk about that. No, ideally, I think he retires. Craig Anderson retires. He's done, and you would want the Sabers to probably trade for a goaltender. I know in reality we're probably just going to sign like a bridge deal. Like for some reason, everything I'm seeing right now is that we're going to probably sign Brain Holpe to like a pie one or two year deal. He'll be a bridge because I guess. Kevin Adams is very invested in our prospects and Lukanen and Levi and Portillo. Right. Which, in but, my opinion, Portillo is not going to sign and Lukanen's not going to pan out ever since that double hip surgery. No, so I think our best bet's Levi. He's just too injury prone. You can't. You cannot. You know what I mean? Maybe glass. Well, I mean, I love. Kev, I love. Kev, <laughs> I love Kevin Adams, but I feel like this is just a gigantic gamble. One, Portillo might just get up and leave next summer. Right. So he's not even signed. He's Levi, not guaranteed. Yeah, Levi is fine. I think he'll no, he'll be Levi. But that's a couple years. Hopefully away. next year he'll sign. UPL again is made of glass. I mean, he was pretty solid last year. Right. Um, but I mean, like, to didn't Craig out. Anderson outperform him when we looked at the statistics? He, he couldn't beat out UP. No, UPL actually had the best statistical season, but he had a small sample size. I think he only started six games. Right. Um, but I mean, Dustin Tarski beat him out in training camp last year, so I I just don't know whether we should gamble. Like, that's a pretty big gamble for me. I think. What's Some, the reality, though? Like, okay, what, so what, rea- who would you say is likely? Re- reality of the situation is this: I think they're going to bring back Malcolm Subban, maybe Aaron Dell, maybe Dustin Katarski to be Aaron down Rochester. Aaron Aaron Rochester. I'm, okay. I'm just talking about the AHL. Okay, <laughs> Aaron Dell in the NHL was terrible. <laughs> His most notable thing was taking out Trick Batterson. Okay. Yeah, we know. Trick okay. Batterson. Come down with that. that. Come down with that. Come down with that. Okay. We're going to get another so, throwdown re- in real, a second. Re- <laughs> optimistically, I would say that they should find they should add someone to push. UPL, um, maybe more veteran backup. Not Tkarski, because Tkarski is not good enough to be a backup in the NHL. I think they need that to emergency find, Rochester goal. You know, like Eric. <laughs> I think Eric Comroy, Comrie of the Winnipeg Jets is a fantastic option. He was the backup behind Connor Hellebuck. Um, he's younger too. He was young. No, he has. He is. He's only go with the Kevin Adams strategy of getting the younger guys. No, come on, come but, on. But that's he, what we need. He, he's 25, 26. Made of glass. Um, no, he's very solid. He only. Has you know played twenty eight games, but he's very young. Last year, nineteen games had a nine twenty save percentage, and um, you know expected go saves above expected per sixty. Uh, he was only behind uh, Igor Shosturkin, so he was you know with his sample size, that metric shows that he was really the second best goaltender in the NHL when he played, which is kind of insane. I, I don't think he's that, but I think he can be solid. And he's, he's just unproven right now. He's unproven, right. and he's probably going to be cheap. And heck, if if he gets beat out by UPL, he gets beat out by UPL. And if UPL doesn't beat him out, then you have a solid backup goaltender. But I don't think they're going to do any of the, like that move because from everything that Adams is saying, I think he wants to roll with UPL, making sure he gets in. But I, I mean, that's kind of with the Bill stuff of competition. I feel like adding competition right. doesn't hurt, and adding and more, it's depth. If the competition doesn't pan out, that's you what gotta, I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you need. 
But um, what Mike said about Hopi is correct. I think Hopi is one of those guys, bridge deal. Maybe Jack Campbell, I know they've been linked to him, but I mean, if he wants term, then they're not going to give him four to five years. At best, probably three. Also, they could try and... I think the Barbrowski trade with what you know Adam's saying is out because I think he has four years left on his deal. Yeah, and he's, what, 10, 10 and a half? 11? Yeah. So, and then they have to... Well, obviously, Florida will retain. They're not going to take Oh, yeah, no, contract. 100%. I'm that's, just saying, like, even no, you retain yeah. half of that, it's still a lot. Right. And, you know, Voromolov um, from the Islanders has one year left on his contract, and he's also Russian, so that might be a guy. I know he's 35. I know but, we want to bring in those Russian guys. But maybe, maybe a guy you know, maybe a guy you trade an asset for, you know, he's a solid goaltender, maybe you extend him a year or two. Yeah, plus the Islanders already have Sorokin. Yeah, they're, they're, that's what I'm saying. Him. They already have a Sorokin, so, and the Islanders need some caps to do want, that they want to contend against, so... He's making five buck, million bucks, and obviously, you know, the Sabers have the cap space to utilize, weaponize to, you know, get him. So I think he's an option as well. Well, speaking of weaponizing cap space, do you think they go for a more, you know, veteran leadership contract for the young core? I think it's interesting. Obviously, with goalies, I know my Patrick um, Kane trade proposal no, last get that week. Out I mean, get come that, on, let's get go. That trash trade out. Of here. <laughs> Trash button again. We gotta start banging that button. Now um, <laughs> that's a bad. That would be a terrible trade. But I think they should weaponize it in getting a goaltender for sure. Like I an think. experienced one to bring up a younger core. That's yeah, not Craig Anderson. absolutely. Again, with Farlamov or even Bob, I'm not totally against it. They so can you're still weaponizing it for a goalie, Mike? Do you have any other I mean, player I think you just would weaponize over, it for? Overall, like you see, look at what Arizona's been doing. Like they they're kind of in a similar situation as us, where they have a very young. They're trying to build a very young core. So, like, they acquire a Louis Erickson contract, Antoine Roussel, Andrew Ladd, all those contracts, but they get picks with them. Like, they're getting compensation for acquiring these bad deals. And with the Sabres having so much cash base and such a young team, I don't see why we couldn't get money or use our plethora of money to acquire these guys for a year, a year or two, and then develop. See, but the problem with that is... Arizona. It takes the space. I Arizona's know. bad, and they have spaces where those guys can play. Like the reason why Ben Bishop went for a seventh round pick is because Ben Bishop will never play again. Right. Yeah, no, so, I I, yeah, I know what go, you mean. Like go, we yeah, need yeah. those spots for those players yeah. when Arizona the reason, just not, has the, the spots. Reason, mm-hmm. The reason yeah. why like Louis Erickson gets moved for a second round pick or whatever is because Louis Erickson has to play. Yeah, right. So now he takes yeah. up a spot. Yeah, I don't think the Sabres can afford at least forward wise. No. What they could do is they could trade for someone like Milan Lucic, who has one year, six million bucks left. They could trade him, um, and then um, what's it called? Buy him out. Mm-hmm. That's and I don't like some of these guys. I don't think have really bad buyouts where it's like going on like Cody Hodgson and stuff. Like if you have one year left, it's only this. Like the majority, two years. Like yeah. like five million will be this year, and a million will be next year, and they could and they could work with that. Yeah. It's the same thing with Bob. Like maybe instead of get, keeping Bobrowski, you get. Uh, Florida retained five million dollars. You get them for four years, five million dollars, and then you flip them to somewhere else, and you retain yeah. like one one point five million dollars. But you get an asset or something. I back think. In turn. I think yeah, you've got to make something out of it without moving yeah. too many things around, especially the team like the Sabers, where it's pretty much built. Yeah. You know? No one one player like that would stand out for us to acquire. He's got one year left, and I think he's over six million. Um, Sean Monahan from Calgary. Like I don't. I, he's younger. He's only in his mid twenties. Not that long Is ago. Is he going to play next year? Isn't he, doesn't he have, like, hip issues? I know. He's, he has been dealing with issues injury-wise, but he's only signed for one year. And it wasn't that long ago where he was producing as a top-line center. And, you know, maybe he just needs to change the scenery if he gets healthy. You can see what he can do 
as a middle six center for your team, like take a gamble on it. Yeah, if you can stay healthy. Well, the Flames need to try, are going to try and sign need to sign Kachuk and probably Gaudreau, so they probably need to get his six million bucks out of there. Yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. there's it's low risk, high reward, high reward. Possible. I guess mm-hmm. kind of for the Sabres. Well, I mean, if it pans out, it's high yeah, reward. Yeah, like if he can stay healthy and get his uh, touch back, but it's only one year, so if it doesn't work out, then he's gone and big right. deal. And I want to just move into one more thing. Will Kyle Poso be the captain of the Sabres next year? And I'm going to start it off right away, and I don't think so. I believe so. Do you want to hear why? Sure, sure. You add your another trash opinion. Let's again ring the buzzer. I don't. I don't think he will, just because you know his contract is expiring relatively soon, and he's these young leaders like Tuck Thompson and Darlene are, are rising, and they could be that captain in 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 place. The only okay. I see. I see Tuck mostly. Being I think that Tuck captain. is maybe the captain further down the line. I mean, he's only he hasn't even spent a full year in the organization yet. Like Kyle Poso has been in the league for well more than a decade and has shown. I mean, this might sound a little cliche, but like resilience from overcoming injuries and overcoming being Almost buried died. in the roster. Yeah, I mean, like he was in the ICU. I thought his career was over. Yeah, years ago. And here and like, he is. He's really taken these young guys under his wing and is a very good voice in the locker room. So I, I think no one really deserves for, it more. For one year? Like, I don't think Kyle Post is going to be here more than two, three years. No, I, but but, I do agree that it, it is, I think he's a placeholder for when Tuck gets that experience. That's absolutely, and that's yeah. what it should be. Apostle definitely deserves it, all the stuff he does with the community. Uh, I um, like him a lot, honestly. He's a I, nice guy. I think it's, it, it shows that when Kevin Adams talked about how everyone in their uh, end of the meeting uh, interviews brought up Kyle without having to be asked... And obviously, he's really respected again in the community as well, and in throughout the organization. So I think it just makes sense for him to be the captain at, for this team right now. And then down the road, I think he's gonna pass the torch off to Alex Tuck, your buddy. Yeah, he's my big guy. Is your is he your favorite player? Uh, yeah, I honestly I have a red and black version of a jersey coming with his name on it. I'm not gonna lie to you. You already ordered that? Or it's on DH Gate. Don't don't uh, lie to us. You already have the C sewn in, so that's no. I do have the iron on patch though for the possibility. So are they actually bringing those back as an alternate? Is that established? That's the rumor. It's been rumored. For if years. they do, I'm getting the Adidas authentic, hundred percent. Oh, I feel like you have to. Who are you getting? Who are you getting? I don't know. Come on, no, you can't. You can't. Come on, no, no flaking out right now. You gotta say it's gotta be. I don't know. It's gotta be maybe Skinner. No, maybe cousins. Yeah, I think long term. Cousins would be a good one. Cousins would be a good one. Would you get Jack Quinn? Mm, maybe Paterka, Dark oh, Horse, Matias Samuelson. Samuelson. Uh, oh, you would get Samuelson Jr. Hey, hey, hey! Do we gotta go back? <laughs> I, think, I think Owen Power would be probably. That's the best a good one. one. Yeah, because I think he might actually be the best player. I yeah. mean, I got Tuck just because he's Tuck. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I Ooh. like him a lot. He's from Syracuse too. I feel like I had to respect it. Yeah, just bought just bought a house in Buffalo too, so he's yeah. staying for the long haul. Yeah, exactly. At least four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our Sabers discussion on this week's edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. We'll be right back with the rundown right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, feel free to DM us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and let us know. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. And we are back with the Buffalo and Podcast, and you know the big news of the day. You know nothing that Kevin Am said, nothing about Val Miller. It's that I uh, have returned to the natural habitat of doing the rundown for the Buffalo and Podcast. Couldn't be more excited uh, <laughs> to do it again. Um, so first time doing the Blue Jays for the rundown, so this is very exciting for me. So the Jays 
Um, tough news this week. They lost Hinjin Ryu to Tommy John surgery, and it's really looking like pitching for the Jays might be their downfall after Ross Stripling, Alex Manoa, and Kevin Gosman. The rest of the staff is just incredibly thin, and the bullpen also hasn't been great other than closer Andrew Romano. So really tough for the Blue Jays, who have one of the best lineups in all of baseball, but their pitching staff is really letting them down recently. Uh, the Jays did end up losing that white, uh, the Chicago White Sox series in Chicago that we talked about last pod, two games to one. Uh, they blew a huge lead late to lose 7-6 to six in Game 2, where, fun fact, the home play umpire, after each game, you know, you could look up uh, the umpire report for the home play umpire, like what percent of the balls did they call right, what percent of the strikes did they call right, did it have any effect on the game, what kind of situation um, did it have on the game, and the home plate uh, umpire called 64% of the strikes right. So 36% of the strikes were outside the zone. That is one little, that's that's. Do you think about it after about every 11 pitches? Uh, he called every 11 strikes. I should say four of them were uh, incorrect. So um, tough look for that guy. It added projected 2.09 runs in the White Sox favor. Um, so I mean that's pretty a big reason why the the Blue Jays lost the game. That's you know. Talk about getting screwed over. I mean, that's just pretty savage, I'm not going to lie. Uh, what was savage, though, was the next day, the hitting coach of the Blue Jays, who was, uh, you know, pregame, you know, each team gives the, the lineup cards to the umpires, you know, shake hands and stuff, and he shook the hand of the home plate umpire from the previous day, got in an argument about him, called him out for how bad he was, and then he got ejected. So the hitting coach did not even get to see a, a singular pitch uh, of Sunday's game that they end up winning. Uh, not Sunday's game, but the third game of the series, because Sunday's game was also rough for the Jays, but we'll get into that in one second. So the Jays then go on a road series to play the Milwaukee Brew Crew, the Brewers, and uh, they also lose that series, losing two out of three games. And, you know, the Jays are just kind of a little bit struggling ever since we started talking about on the pod. I don't know if it's a pod cursed or whatever. Uh, the Jays are now 41-32, and they're a half game back of the Red Sox as we speak for the top AL wildcard spot. Good news for the Jays is that yesterday they did win uh, 7-2 to against the Red Sox behind Kevin Gosman's uh, seven shutout innings and ten strikeouts and were led offensively by Vlad Guerrero, George Springer, and Matt Chapman hitting home runs. But a thing to key on uh, that you know the average fan probably might not know, but it's interesting, is the Sunday game was the most interesting game of the week, and they actually lost the game uh, 10-3. The reason why you might say it's interesting is Rowdy Telez, uh, the ex-Bison, ex-Blue Jay, was traded away last year for scra- absolute scraps. No one uh, hit two home runs against his former team, so talk about some revenge. And I think what's most concerning about the loss is Jose Barrios, uh, who they traded Austin Martin for at the... They traded away Austin Martin, who is the number 57 best prospect in all of baseball, was a top five pick. They traded him away for Barrios to, you know, shore up that pitching staff, and they also gave him a seven-year, one hundred and thirty-one million dollar contract. Uh, he gave up two and two-thirds in two and two-thirds innings. He gave up eight runs, and now has an ERA of just un- a shade under six on the year. So, talk about brutal. Um, so they're definitely going to need him to step up, and hopefully, you know, with the uh, Blue Jays taking Game One from the Red Sox, that they start a little bit of a stre- uh, you know, streak here and get, you know, get some momentum back on their track and, you know, get rid of the pod curse, as I say. Talking to some Bison's talk now. Actually, some good news again. Back to back weeks, the Bison's uh, have won 
uh, a series. They won this series four games to two versus the St. Paul Saints. The Bisons now are 41-30 on the season and are a game and a half up on the second-place Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Uh, the Bisons will be traveling to scranton Wilkesbury to face the affiliates of the New York Yankees, who are sitting pretty pretty low at 30-42. and 42. So definitely looks like a chance for a winnable series to make it three in a row for the Bisons. Fun fact for the Bisons this, this week, uh, the Bisons won all four of their games against the St. Paul Saints by one run. They actually got outscored in the sixth game set by the Saints 28-23. to So they had a negative five run differential, but they somehow won. You know, they got blown out twice, but they won the four close ones. So, you know, good for them. Obviously, you know, you think uh, a lot of run, four one-run victories. What was the best game of the series? The first game, was the, the opening game was the best game of the series. Uh, the Bisons were trailing 7-2 to in the bottom of the seventh, and they came back all the way down those five runs to come back and win 8-7. Uh, Samad Taylor hit a two-out, three-run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning to give the Bisons an 8-7 lead, and Derek Holland came in and shut the door in the ninth to close out the Saints. Samad Taylor, you know, maybe in the running, probably the front runner right now for Team MVP, at least for the position players, obviously pitching maybe probably Casey Lawrence, but for the position players, Samad Taylor went two for four with two bombs and five RBIs, and Lily took the Bisons on his back and carried them to victory. Uh, so again, we're hoping for three straight series wins for the Bisons as we near the end of June. And hopefully, you know, both uh, baseball teams can uh, start playing some good baseball and continue to have a fun time with the Red Down. So I hope you enjoyed me taking the reins back over, and we'll get back to trivia now right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are at all interested, feel free to DM us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and let us know. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, time to wrap up the show. Yet another edition of trivia for the boys. A little southern accent there, buddy. Yeah, we're, nice. we're down in the wild, wild west. I know. you got to get into it. you got to get in the mood. So we'll start, obviously, with the Bills question. Confidence? All-time high? I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like I'm on a good run. Last week I had a, I had a couple, so it was, it was all right. All right, so. Got that. Bands question last week that was pretty, pretty yeah. amp yeah, yeah. We'll so all right so we'll start the bills obviously as i think we always do yeah um so we all know the stadium they currently play in highmark stadium it's had a few different names oh, man so which which namesake was the longest mm. ralph wilson stadium i don't even like the rich Rich Stadium. It was Rich Stadium. Rich Stadium. That was longest. answer number two for me. I didn't know. I knew, I knew it was New Rich Arrow. Stadium at first. But it was the I, original name, and it was the name from 73 to 97. Yeah. Ralph Wilson in 98. And then, obviously, New Era. New Era yeah. And then the short-lived Bill Stadium. And then Highmark. I knew those. Highmark. I knew those two were out. Once you said Ralph Wilson, I thought it was done. But then I was like, oh, well, I'll just shoot first in the Dude, dark. I loved when New Era was the st- we We got, like, exclusive hats and stuff like that for the Bills. Yeah, that relationship got The cap? So. Yeah, yeah, the cap. Yeah. Short-lived, but sorry. That's, Quite... a better, that's a better name than Highmark Stadium. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll we'll keep the um, the theme going with uh, where teams play. We all know the Sabers. They originally played in the Memorial Auditorium. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which team actually has the longest tenure in that arena? You're gonna have to explain that. I don't even so know. like, you mean like the Buffalo Braves, the basketball team. Yeah, which team? Played the had the longest stay in that as that home, the Sabers. It's not not the Sabers. The Braves. 
No. Well, the Braves were there for like five, seven years or something. The Bandits? Like they never played there, did they? Yeah. I don't uh, know. You know what? I'll just, I'll just give you the answer. Someone actually goes to the school. It's Canisius. Canisius College? Oh, my god. Canisius Basketball Dude, played you there. you stumped both of us with that oh. one. I thought it was the Braves. Canisius Basketball was... played there. You know, that was also one of the reasons, you know, why scheduling was so hard for the Braves because Canisius Basketball and Sabres Hockey oh. made it difficult for Braves to get some games. Wow. So kind of a trick question. Very tricky. Going here. I think that might that might be the hardest question you've that asked. you've asked. Yeah, I would wow. I would definitely say because there was how are we going to guess Kanishas on like a pro level? Like no way. No offense to anyone, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, we got that right. Take it. Stop your car. Go to the side road. You know, get out Kanishas, of the drivers Kanishas and just take a, longest, take a bow for yourself. Yeah. Longest tenure in that in that arena since the forties wow. until it closed. All so. right, do we have a third trivia question? Yeah, the third one. Not not really sport related. Because uh, I know we're going to try to move forward here since we're going to have a little bit of lull of, yeah, with of no topics. Bandits, no any, yeah. yeah, we're going to try to go to just talk about Buffalo. So hopefully this one's kind of like a softball one. But, like, uh, wh- which restaurant was it that originated the chicken wing? Duff's. It's Anchor Bar. Anchor Bar? Yeah, it's Anchor Bar. It's Anchor Bar. Oh, you said it before. <laughs> I was going to say. I was actually with that. I thought it was Duff's. I never thought it was Anchor Bar. Yeah, we no. had Duff's is better than Anchor Bar. It was that's, Anchor Bar. That, that is accurate. Duff's is better than Anchor Bar. Anchor Bar stinks. They put one in Buff <laughs> State. It's the worst thing I've ever had. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I went in there. I tried it. I Back- was bombed. Everything was dry rubbed. I asked for chicken fingers. There was no sauce on it. It was just dry rub. I, I was absolutely appalled by it. It's not what Buffalo is or what it should be. These students from out of state think that's what it is. Sal Volcano came to Buff State, did an amazing comedy show. You know where he ate? He ate at the Anchor Bar. Guys, yeah, go done. to the one downtown. Yeah, you, the original one's probably the only good one. Yeah, to be honest with you, Bar Bill's the best. There's an Anchor Bar in Niagara Falls now. Yeah, Bar Bill is good. Honestly, I'm gonna give a shout out to our hometown, Grand Island, Mulwitz, the uh, the bowling alley, Island Lanes. Their wings for me are the top, the best. Mm-hmm. They won the best wings in Buffalo. I will say that, but you know. A lot of people order from there, so I mean, you got a funny face on your look over there. <laughs> I didn't expect it, man. Didn't expect bowling wings. I'm, not, gonna, I'm not saying they're not no. good. I'm just get them like, extra crispy, extra saucy, phenomenal, medium, perfect buffalo wing right there. Now that I'm hungry, that's going to do it for the Buffalonian podcast this week. Dom, how how do you always end these? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. Go Bills.